This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. You want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night, he goes off crazier than usual. Mommy gets the kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, me watching, he takes the knife to her, laughing while he does it. He turns to me, and he says, Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels and i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters that's us this is a show where we don't wear hockey pads we don't wear hockey pads we got a guest today we have a special guest you've heard him in the past he's was on the couch for for deadpool 2 deadpool 2 just being all snarky like it's just kevin it's just kevin just kevin it's just kevin it's just kevin hey bud what's going on what made you want to do this one we're doing the dark knight 2008's the dark knight the you know what everyone calls the modern superhero masterpiece. That one? Yeah. You know, the biggest movie we've talked about yet? That one? Ah, uh, you know, I figured it's at the bar high. Why not? That's that's fair, I suppose. I mean, if you're going to make an entrance. This is the one to do it, it on. count. You just walk in in a purple suit and green hair, just making threats to mobsters and whatnot with grenades all on your jacket. I don't know. I like to think of my Kevin more like wearing a little green mask and a, and a red <laughs> shirt with a little yellow little yellow cape. I like to think of my Kevin as just a little baby Kevin, how he's just sitting there and pray, praying a little baby Kevin. He's a grown man. He has a beard. <laughs> We've all seen this thing before, right? Please say yes. This is Everyone, my please first say yes. time ever. No, of course. Everybody's seen okay. this movie. You remember seeing this thing in theaters? I do remember seeing this one in theaters. Yeah, the hype. Oh, the Big hype. Big time hype. I mean, everybody was like, got to see it. He's dead. Yeah, claimed one life. Let's see if it's going to do more in the theater. Two, actually. But... You're right. You're Because of the, <laughs> the stuntman. Because that one stuntman. Yeah. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you first saw this thing in theaters? My mind was blown. Why'd you go a little walk in there? My mind. It was blown. I mean, I didn't mean to, but... Santa Claus. Afraid not. Afraid not. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mind was blown. It was... It actually took a while for the, the depth of the movie, the weight of the movie, the, the scale of the movie to really... Is it too big? No. No, it's not too big. It was just a lot for me to, to grasp at first. Okay. Because weird when a superhero movie actually tells a story, I guess. That I mean, strange. In two thousand eight, you're right. Not a, not a lot of good superhero movies in two thousand eight. No secret there. I mean, Iron Man was pretty great, but Incredible Hulk also. Let's not forget it. Let's you know, let's not, not forget it. Can we try? Nope. Kev, what did you think of this thing when you first saw it? I just remember literally sitting in the seat, and I think it was like three or four friends are with me. And not one person said a word for probably the first thirty seconds. Yeah, because you're you're speechless. I remember with that with like Passion of the Christ. I saw it in theaters. Did you? It was weird. The ride home. It was weird. I'm sure. Yeah, with friends right at right after high school too. What about this one? 
with this one, uh, my mind was blown, but I went with my buddy Evan to see this one, and he had just gotten six wisdom teeth pulled oh, no. that day, and he was hopped up on everything. Six? Six. He did something real, real wrong in his past life. He was real smart. Yeah. So he was very hopped up, and I remember right when Batman rides off the screen at the end of it, and it says, The Dark Knight, and he turned to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, that'll leave an impact. Yeah. So I was, oh, it was amazing. I've never been more jealous of another human being at a theater. Sure. To get to witness that on that. I also remember how packed the movie theaters were. The anticipation for this movie was massive. And literally, I don't think there was an empty seat. I mean, it was $185 million budget. Opening weekend, it did 158 mil. It shattered the record. Oh, yeah. For that. That's been long since... That's gone now. That's gone now. But... That's in the past. But then? Oh, that was biggie. That's a biggie. Oh, yeah. Ooh, those are big numbers. How do you think this one holds up to Batman Begins, which we talked about last week? What do you mean by holds up? This trilogy, it's not a secret. They're all very different movies. Yes. All three of them. For it existing in the same world, nothing about any of them is the same except for the actors. And even <laughs> that's up for debate because yeah. of Rachel Dawes. Uh, because <laughs> Unless you're Katie Katie Holmes, Holmes yeah. is gone. Maggie Gyllenhaal's in here as Rachel Dawes. We got an Aaron Eckhart in this one as Harvey Dent. Sure do. How do you think this movie, I guess visually, thematically, cinematically, how does it compare to Batman Begins? I think it took everything that Batman Begins did and did it just a little bit better. Turned it up to 11. Turned it up to 11. All right. Except for maybe one aspect, but we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm very curious what that aspect is. Mm. That's pretty fair. When was the last time you saw Batman Begins, Kev? Batman Begins, the pro- uh... Five, six years ago? Oh, it's pretty fucking great. You should, you should see it again yeah, like yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. We'll it's stop. Cool. We'll wait. If you want to watch it right now, we'll wait. All right. Just just give me a minute. <laughs> Speaking of screening other movies before getting started, Christopher Nolan did exactly that when they, when they got to set for this movie. The first four days, he screened two movies a day just for the, the cast and crew. They screened Heat and Cat People on day one, Citizen Kane and King Kong on day two, Batman Begins and Black Sunday on day three, and A Clockwork Orange and Stalag 17 on day four. Man, he's like running his own film school there. Right? That's amazing. What's the purpose of that other than like, all right, guys, this is film? Pretty much, but I can understand the themes behind that. At least, it, let's not skirt around it. Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger. You want to talk about him I think briefly? We, yeah, let's Just talk briefly? about Heath. He's in this thing, right? He's a, he's a person. Pretty sure he puts on one of the greatest performances in maybe, film history. Maybe of all in time? This. It's yeah. way the hell up there. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he died six months before this thing came out. Won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Right. Posthumously. You cannot take your eyes off him when he's on screen. That performance is insanely good. Yeah, it's uh, it's unreal. But, of course, it fucked with his head the entire way through. Have you heard about The Dark Diary? The Dark Diary? No. So Heath Ledger locked himself in his apartment and in a hotel room for about a month or two months, depending on who you ask leading up to this movie just to get in the right headspace for this thing. Mm -hmm. And he made his uh, this thing called A Dark Diary. And in The Dark Diary, he had, like, pictures of what he was feeling, and he would write down his lines from, like, the, uh, like, speeches and stuff from the movie, like his monologues that he goes on, yeah. as if it's, like, him as the character writing in a diary. Really? And uh, one picture actually pops up a number of times that got pointed out. I saw this in a documentary called Too Young to Die, and Heath Ledger's dad was going through this, then found The Dark Diary, yada, yada. And the picture that kept popping up was Alex DeLarge from A Clockwork Orange. Huh. And apparently one of the big things that Heath Ledger did in this role in order to get, like, the feeling and the tone down. Are you familiar with the, the Kubrick stare? 
Yes. It's when the head goes down, but the eyes stay up and you just kind of look right through someone. Yeah. And he does that so fucking well in this entire movie, just constantly, where he's not looking at any of these characters. He's looking through you. Oh, yeah. It is chilling. Ooh. I think he it's really, so good. really apparent in the prison scene. When oh, he's, big when time. He's, uh, yeah. When he's talking to the guard and he kind of looks up at him and that's really when, and the makeup, I mean, obviously. Do you want to know which one of your friends in. were cowards? <laughs> God, he's good. So good. Uh, they introduce him in the most fucking brilliant way, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all three of these movies kind of have that little, who's the real villain here, hidden henchman twist, but. This one definitely pulls it off the best. The story is told so well that it pulls it off the best. Yeah, it's so good. But the way he's introduced in this thing is you have the bank robbery, which kicks every ass. It's a lot of asses. There's a lot of asses lined up, and they just stand behind it, just bam, 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 kicking them all. It's almost like like a windmill with a foot on the end. just keeps going and just kicking ass. But instead of a boot, it's an IMAX camera. Right. I think that's important to note that that, uh, Christopher Nolan, he said, IMAX me a movie. IMAX me a movie. Not all of it, but good chunks of it. One of the things I found really interesting when they first released the movie, and I actually didn't remember this until later after watching it this time, was they released that whole first sequence before the movie even came out. So we kind of watched the opening sequence, and it kind of set the tone for, A, my excitement for it, and B, just the general tone it sets. So for them to pretty much give away the entire start of their movie, to hype it up even more than it already was... I feel like that was a thing then, though, because didn't Spider-Man do that also, how they were releasing, like, scenes that yeah, may or may not have been even in the movie, because yeah. there was that whole entire thing with the, the Twin Towers for the first Spider-Man, right. how they shot a bank robbery scene, and they ended up catching the helicopter between the Twin Towers, and it was badass as all hell. Yeah. But I feel like that was, like, a thing then. Yeah, I feel like it might even be what prompted Deadpool to go and leak that footage to get approved for sure. Fox, you know? It's, let's just... Drop this whole scene and see what happens. That scene's amazing, though. How you start off like on the rooftop of Chicago. Let's yeah. not hide it here. No. And that's... what do you think of Gotham? That was the one thing I okay. think they didn't ramp up from the last movie. Well, they completely scaled it back. Exactly. But I think they scaled it back for a production reason. For a production design reason, not even a sure. money reason. Sure. Because I feel like uh, I read something with the production designer. He said that they wanted to clean up Gotham. In order to make it okay. look nicer because the bat's been at work. He's knocking criminal off the street, doing all that stuff. Right. We can afford to clean up Gotham a little bit. Also, we're going to be fucking the city up as That's it true. goes through. And if you you mess up Batman Begins, that Gotham, eh. I found it strange they yeah. changed Wayne Tower. They big time did. Like Do you know what lot. building they went with? No. They went with the Richard J. Daly Center in Chicago. Sure. Everybody knows the Richard J. Daly Center. You do if you've seen Blues Brothers. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Is that with the... That's the ending. Okay. Yeah, this movie's pretty much just a tour of Blues Brothers without Wrigley Field. I like it. it. Where you even have the car chase that goes Lower Wacker Drive. I'm on a mission from God. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how I got these sunglasses? (laughs) How great would that be? It makes sense. There's a penguin in the Blues Brothers. Hey. Oh, man. Crossover I never knew I wanted until now. I want it bad. What tone do you go with that? Blues Brothers. Okay. I think yeah. it'd be pretty great. I'm in. Just uh, give John Candy some green hair and a purple suit. Okay. Sign me up, baby. I want it. I'm into it. Also, William Fichter. He's the bank guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who I always forget is in this movie because he's Fichter. Fichter. So Is that how you say his name? Could be. Isn't it? F- Fichter? Yeah. Nope. Yep. Probably. That's pretty cool. Pretty close. He's not even on there. No. That's him. 
He's he's such a great character actor. He pops up in damn near everything. And in this, you're like, I know that guy. Oh, it's that guy. Why is that guy here? I wonder how long he's going to stick around. Boom. All right, well, it was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice how poor his shooting is? Not only how poor his shooting is, but the fact that he's firing at the henchmen. With a shotgun pe- from range. And all the people are behind the henchmen, so he's shooting all of the oh, hostages. Yeah. yeah, it's called spray and pray. <laughs> I played Call of Duty enough. That's all it is. That's exactly what it is. One thing I, I actually, after watching this, uh, was wondering, and specifically for you, how much did you enjoy the mask that they chose for the Joker to wear? I thought it was pretty great. Did you, you got the call back. You had to get the call back. I did not get the call back. You didn't get the call back. I did not get the How call did you back. not get the call back? Wow. Didn't get the call I'm back. I'm surprised you didn't get the call back. Nope, didn't get the call back. So the mask was designed after a mask that Cesar Romero wore. Oh, wow. Brian, show me the picture right now. Yeah. And you're goddamn right. Did not get the call back. It's pretty incredible. I thought you would be totally into it. I really thought you would have got that one. That is cool. What blew my mind is that watching this, like, I understand how the opening sequence plays out now with the robbery. I didn't realize the Joker doesn't really talk. Right, the whole time. The whole entire time, never noticed it. Until he says, I kill the bus driver. I kill the bus driver. Oh, brilliant. I love it. But if you also watch his body language... It's still telling of the Joker. Because like, this, like this watching, I was. He's got that weird The hunch. weird walk. Mm-hmm. The walk it's is so telling. Bizarre. And then the, the way he turns his head when he was yeah. like, questioning things. It's, it's the same mannerisms. He's got amazing choices. Acting. That proper acting. But proper. Yeah, not proper like, acting. Every little piece of this character has been thought of. It has been. And it's crazy to think that Christopher Nolan has said that he put more focus on the villain in this thing than he did on Batman. It's like. That's the typical Batman way to do it exactly. in a movie. As we've seen, it's a villain movie. It's not right. a Batman movie. And this one, Bruce Wayne's there, not really about him, but it's also not really about Joker. It's kind of just a Gotham story in I'd a lot of ways. I'd say it's more about... Uh, I think it's it's really the relationship between Batman and the crime of the city. How maybe he's not in full control of everything that's going on Oh, there? exactly. Because he that. is. It's because not. You don't think that it's about Harvey Dent? I think that... There's a dichotomy between Batman and Harvey Dent, which is not hidden at all. We have the White Knight, the Dark Knight, yada, right, yada. Right. Uh, I would say, no, I think that this is a, a Gotham story, if anything. I think this is an old-timey pulp story. Uh, it's, again, taken off the long Halloween and this time the killing joke, even though we don't really go right. all the way there in right. a lot of ways. There's some things we do go there for, but I really, really appreciate how they decided not to do an origin story for the villain. I feel like you can't with Joker. Christian I mean, Nolan after said that he this. just is. He's always existed. Exactly. And that's kind of a neat thing. That's a neat thought. I'm it's funny when you think about all these movies, how you see how this is how the hero got started. This is how the villain got started. Oh, look, it's the same day, Spider-Man. I'm looking at you with Norman Osborne <laughs> and Spider-Man. How weird. How strange is that? With this, he's just there. He shows up almost almost like there's a need for him there because of what Batman is in the city. Right. And how you kind of see his it's a quick rise to power, but it's a rise to power. Oh, absolutely. For sure, because he's holding the entire city hostage. Yeah. Literally. Last week, we said that the theme of this movie was chaos. Yes. I found an interview with, with Jeff Goldblum, with Christopher he's Nolan. He's a chaos theory professor. Who actually said Park. the main theme of this movie is escalation. That's a long Halloween all over. Yeah. It's a direct quote from that. So basically, it's... Batman cleaning up the streets is leaving room for other crime to come in, and it's more serious crime because it has to be able to contend with the Batman. So you're saying that this thing operates the same way that a lot of video games operate now, where you have your independent villains that you're supposed to go find. I'm talking about like 
I don't know, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, how you have the boss system. And when you defeat one, there's always one that comes and fills in, but he's always a much higher level so that you actually have to face him. Exactly. At a higher, so that. Yeah. Yeah. That has a name. It's got to have a name. I don't know what it is. Escalation theory. Nailed it. We'll go with that. I like it. Basically, fundamentally, if there's a Batman, there's always there always has to be a Joker. Got to be bounce of the force. There, exactly. And he's played into that though. He says, you know, I I don't I don't want you, you to die. You complete me. me. They go together. He doesn't want to kill him. Batman is trying to to bring order to Gotham, and Joker is an agent of chaos. That's all it is. Some people just want to see the world burn, but I don't think he does. I don't know what he wants. I don't think it's actually watching the world burn because he has a quote in this movie that makes me think that there is a motive behind all of his his okay. anarchy. And uh, when he says, look what I did to the city with a few drums of gas and a couple bullets, that whole speech, he ends that with saying, I'm an agent of chaos. And you know the thing about chaos? It's fair. That's interesting. Hmm. That's very interesting. Is that the speech that he gives to um, Harvey Dent in the hospital? Because he gives him the gun, he says, introduce a little chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying, but by introducing chaos, do you think Joker's crazy? Even out, I don't know, because Joker doesn't think he's crazy. Joker doesn't think he he's crazy. Completely, fact, he gets rushes angry. over it whenever someone says he's crazy or he's a freak. He gets angry. I'm not crazy. Not crazy. I guess. Uh, well, I was when I was researching just general feeling of the movie when we were going through it was that he tries to portray himself and Heath Ledger purposely tried to portray himself as a genius. He thought he was a genius. It's a cool take on it. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, I don't I don't see anything wrong about that. I, not that the Joker is a genius, but that the Joker sees himself as a genius. Right. But is he a genius? When you look back on it, literally every one of his plans went according to plan. Uh, except one. Except the last one. The last one. And that's one. just because, you know. The decency of humans. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, Spider- We're going to keep going to Spider-Man, apparently, today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fairness, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. He's our, our DA, our district attorney. Of... I believe in Aaron Eckhart. That is, again, long Halloween. I believe in Batman. I believe in Harvey Dent and all that stuff. Sure. They just lift, reuse, thumbs up. It's did, great. Did you hear that the Joker movie is actually an original story? I don't believe it. That's what they said? No, I don't believe it. That's what everyone's saying. It's an original story, which is something we joked about last week. I'm very excited for that. No pun intended. Hey, it really wasn't intended. <laughs> Aaron Eckhart in this movie is fantastic. Pretty great. I'd say. Pretty great. I don't usually like him because I think he's kind of a stiff actor. He, like, thank you for smoking. I think he's great in, but he's, he's very stiff in that. I think he's supposed but, to be in that. But. Exactly, but he's phenomenal. Yeah. But here, he kind of brings that stiffness again, but you see it kind of unraveling as we go through it, which yeah. I like the progression. I think they nailed the progression of him realizing, like, this city's fucked, guys. Right. This city is so fucked. And everybody's leaning on me. He kind of, ah. It's interesting because he embraces it for a little while. And then he he goes, does because he claims he's Batman I'm at a point, <laughs> which you got to have nuts of, of fucking steel to do. Oh, yeah. But what do you think of, of Aaron Eckhart, Harvey Dent? Because there's a drastic difference. Obviously, I, I actually enjoyed this. My wife did not know who Harvey Dent was. That made me very happy. Oh, that's great then. Yeah. Because yeah. that when that turn happens and he turns into Billy D. Williams, <laughs> you never see it coming. Oh, that's true. You never know that that's going to... I'm going to convict you, and then I'm going to drink a Colt 45. 
And then we get acid thrown in my face and turn into Thomas Leeson Johnson. Yes, please. <laughs> How much did you enjoy when he was laying with half his face down, the foreshadowing? They hid that And really she's well. sitting there like, oh, I, don't, I don't know who this guy is. And you're oh, like, man. his face is half covered in. Yeah, that it's interesting because, again, if you pull from Long Halloween, he got acid thrown on him from Maroney. By Maroney, right. And I feel like that's a misdirect in this movie, just having I Maroney think it is, too, it. and I think that's neat because they lean on Maroney for a lot of the stuff here. Yeah. And they lean on Lau for a lot of the stuff. Uh, I found Gamble weird, especially Gamble when, is weird. Because they could have gone with Skeevers, who's directly out of that comic, too, but I feel like maybe that's going too deep. Not familiar with Skeevers. Yeah, he's barely mentioned in the comic. Okay. But uh, I do think Maroney was a misdirect, which is a neat little thing. Pretty smart. I agree, Maroney being the, the crime boss man. But here you see how you have the choice between uh, Joker kidnaps Rachel and Harvey, and they have to make the choice, and they're at, one's at this place, one's at this place, go, right. and then obviously they're switched. they're switched. How the fuck don't you see that coming? Yeah, I know, right? Come on. But what do you think of the actual turn? Do you think that this scene kind of escalates the turn? Obviously, I'm talking escalation. Or do you think he was going to go down this route anyway, even though Rachel gets her ass blown up? I, I mean, you already had said that, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So he already kind of had that ingrained in his mind. So maybe he was foreshadowing. It definitely was, but maybe he saw. Ding. So I don't know if he kind of saw the writing on the wall already with how things were going. And, you know, he indicted all the, how many criminals was it? It was like like 500 500. nuts like that. Oh, I have the actual numbers. What is 579? (laughs) Is that the number? 426. I actually don't have the number of criminals. I have the number of number of charges. Oh, go ahead. It was 712 counts of extortion, 849 counts of racketeering, 246 counts of fraud, 87 counts of conspiracy to commit murder, 527 counts of obstruction of justice, and in a RICO case, they all get charged with all of them. Yeah. So that is 2,421 charges. You know, Rachel does absolutely, you see her leave the room after he says it's a RICO case, you know that there's like a scene cut out of there where she is fingering herself to that Rico name, because she gets way too excited about hearing that it's a RICO thing. Uncle Rico? (laughs) <laughs> threw the football right over the mallet. <laughs> Gross. Quick aside, Maggie Gyllenhaal sucks, right? Are we all in agreement? She's terrible. I didn't think she was that bad. I think Katie Holmes is so much better than her. That's just because in every looking. way. I feel like they're about equal. Of sucky? Yeah. Okay. I can buy that then. Because <laughs> I can't, Maggie Gyllenhaal cannot give any props to her. She's kind of like, uh, I don't know the terminology other than like, she's like a ho-hummer. Like that's just, it's just like, eh. She's kind of meh about everything. Ho oh, Hummer. So I like Hummer. I mean, she's an M. Not that kind of Hummer. She's an M. Not that kind of hoe? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> the only part I like about her is how she keeps questioning Harvey Dent with the coin, how he keeps saying, like, I create my own luck. I create my own luck and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What was fun to me about that whole part was, again, the wife. She first flips, she goes, It's a two sided coin, isn't it? And I said, Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. And I even said, like, it's a big wink because one of the sides is going to be different soon. But ding. Yeah. Do you like the the coin thing that they do there? It's I mean, a, it's it's a two-faced thing. It's a two-faced I like that. thing for sure. They like I mean, creating their own luck. I like that more than yeah. the CG work they did on his face. Well, the CG work I thought was great. But do you believe in creating your own luck? How about that? At that point, it's not luck. There's nothing left to chance. He's He's doing it. He's making the decision. You're right. So let me ask you this. Now, in theory, if someone had a coin on them right now and all three of us had bourbons in front of us, how lucky are you feeling that you're not going to have to down that thing right now due to a flip of a coin? 
You son of a bitch. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> pull pull a your wife thing here and say that's a that's a two sided coin. It is it? not. <laughs> this is not. Uh the coin that they used in the movie was from nineteen twenty two. Okay. I didn't look it up. I bet it's pretty cool though. Pretty neat. Probably a really great backstory. Maybe. You all got Google. It's a big coin. This one's from this is actually nineteen sixty five. This is an old boy. Uh Brian. Yeah. Heads you drink, tails you don't. Heads. Fire it down, bud. Kev. Heads you drink, tails you don't. Fire it down, bud. Me. I feel like Harvey Dent with the gun. Mm-hmm. That my turn. God damn it. Three for three. <laughs> you make your own luck. What are those make odds? Make your own luck. <laughs> you sure that wasn't a double-sided coin? Yeah, absolutely sure, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't need to see the coin. You it's be, a magician's you quarter. You could be doing some, some sleight of hand over there. Yeah, you're right. I'm that good. Nobody, none, neither of us looked at the coin, though, to see if That's it actually true. was on heads. That's that, true. So I could have done, done a sleight of hand. <laughs> Leave it on the table here. It's coming back. Uh, what? Yeah, but Kev was saying the CGI on the Harvey Dent face. Uh, that's a neat reveal. Yeah, I like how they keep his head turned in the hospital bed the whole time, and you don't really you get a little see bit it. of you get the funny thing is like obviously rewatching it. Yeah, you 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 start seeing peaks of it, and you now yeah, you obviously know what it looks like. So you see like teased. a little bit, and you're like, right. Uh, and you see the, nice the, the the crispiness on his nose. Yeah, I mean, I can get it because. If it was like a fresh wound, that's kind of what it would probably look like. So I guess when it scars yeah. over, you get more of what you're, I guess, used to. I guess sure. used to, but well, they um, also didn't want to go that goofy with it. They didn't want to, right? I think it they was didn't want to use that, yeah. prosthetics because that's in. I mean, you're adding to the face, and yeah. that's not what it is. I so. I think it was the eye socket that bugged me the most. The lack there's no eyelid or yeah, anything it's just like that. Like, that how's his eyeball even staying there? Like that was the one thing that that's you know then the 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 cheek a little bit, the but that that I can was, get it. They've that, openly said that they messed with the anatomy in order to make it work. Sure, they openly said it, and so, that's totally fine. Yeah, those were the only. I mean, I could get that. Like, there's like blood on the pillows, and then that kind of lays into the fact that it's like a fresh wound. When he turns over, you see the blood on the pillow. They bring up the blood on the pillow. That's some of the only blood in the movie. There's very little blood in this movie. Yeah, but there wasn't any blood in the first one either. Right. I mean, you have the whole thing with the. Uh, do you want to know how I got these scars? And he puts the knife in people's mouths, and sure, you'd see the slit the kind old, of off the screen there. Glasgow, but how yeah. smile? How great is Ugh. it? Uh, I don't know if we want to touch on that now, but how great. Like that, he changes his story every time. I love it. Oh, it's brilliant! I think it's terrific. And the, the one at the end where he starts telling the story, like <laughs> the Batman, which is great. Oh man, he doesn't get to finish it. Obviously, no, it just, no, no. It's just so funny that you know that plays into the fact that he doesn't have an origin story. That we though. don't know who this guy is, right? Batman detects. Batman's he, a detective. He does a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's again a lot of making the computer do stuff for him. Well, yeah, because but this time he tries to get like ballistic stuff. That's true. To get the he's like, he's working. And he does go in and find out that the the uh, the clowns and doctors are swapped. That's just him charging on in there, I think. But I, I like how he's actually trying to figure out. I, well, what is he trying to figure out? Well, he, he does he does go after the fingerprint, <laughs> and there's no matches. Who, yeah, he can't figure oh, out who the, Joker is. The fingerprint thing is the DNA when he finds the DNA of the district attorney and, it's yeah, and the mayor and the the police chief. That was pretty cool. I did enjoy perfect that. Storm. The bullet oh, thing stuff. Yeah. is perfect in the way that it's a Batman thing because it's so far fetched and out there and couldn't actually happen. Sure, that it's perfect for a Batman movie. And he's just like, oh, we'll just uh, we'll shoot off a bunch of rounds. We'll reassemble them because, you know, that's how bullets work. And yeah. then uh, we'll find the, the fingerprint. How he's just walking across all these holes in the wall going like, ooh, that one looks just he's like just this hole that holding I'm holding it up here. Like, yeah, well, oh, that's the right hole. He's, he's matching holes. 
He's matching holes. He matching couldn't holes. do that with Rachel Dawes because <laughs> yeah, because wait, you're not these ones holes. are different. You changed my holes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ooh. sorry, sorry. Bad impression. You changed my holes. The voice. It's awful. We touched on it last week. Oh, that it gets worse in this movie. Boy, and it's oh a my god, bad one. There are times when he's doing it where you just look at his face and like, why are you doing that with your face? And he's like sticking you got his it? lips you got out. Poop? And, but, you got poop, Christian. But it was it's doctored. It they they doctored. said in post production they jacked everything you up. You can't do that with that one though. Let the actor act here. He did it right in the first one. Where yeah. you change it enough. So that's what I, was... I wonder what it sounded like when he originally did it because he Probably gets, the a, same he gets way. a lot of shit about it. I mean, how many spoof videos have we watched? Oh. Thousands. So many. And they're so funny. But <laughs> Ooh, that's happy. <laughs> so how many how many of those videos were made and you know, I don't think it came out necessarily right away that they had in post production, they pretty much jacked it up so it was that much different. I hate the voice. I really, really hate it. It does get illegible they at some went, points. They went way too overboard with it. Like I said, they they cranked everything up to eleven. You don't need to. They didn't need to. No. No. Because it was it was fine in the first movie. It was subtle understated all right that's pushing it uh it wasn't this bad <laughs> some sometimes it sounds like he's on a breath yeah like he turns into what was the malcolm's friend from malcolm the middle stevie, stevie? he turns into stevie with something he's like i'm going to find lao which one are you taking ray <laughs> joel <laughs> like it's brutal it's, I agree. Yeah. It's almost like a a loud whisper though, because at some point like it has like the tone of a whisper, but it's just loud. It's just a gravelly it's whisper. Kind of like Shazam. I don't know. It's just strange. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Oh my god, it's so good. Dave would give any that anything to give a Shazam callback. One for one liners. You heard it there, folks. We'll get there again. Now it's on the record. <laughs> we'll get there again. Maybe Christmas this year. Maybe. Because all them lighted trees in that movie. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It's a Christmas time. Yeah, movie. and it's so much less horny than Batman Returns. Oh, my God, like, isn't it? Infinitely less horny. There's no horniness at all in that movie, is there? No. It's a family film. How about that? Yeah. Speaking of all that horniness, how about Wally Fister? The DP? The D- <laughs> DP Fister. Oh, boy. He, uh... This movie got hot and heavy real fast. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of the handheld... Ooh, that's camera... horny. Sure is. Apparently, a lot of the handheld camera shots, he did himself. Hey, good for him. Doubling up. Just over there, hand-holding that camera, D.P. Fister. Always appreciate a, a D.P. who's going to get his hands dirty, Fister style. Exactly that. Another person who filmed their own scenes, Heath Ledger. The new scene, Well, right? that's good that he was in this movie. That's good that he filmed his own scenes. Oh, no, 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 no. Is there no. anything specific that he filmed or just, I'm Heath Ledger. I'm he going to do my own scenes. The, the homemade videos that the Joker sends to the oh. news network. Oh, he Man. directed those himself. Yeah, he held the camera. He did it himself. He was in the room, and uh, those are the scariest thing in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the first one, Christopher Nolan was there and supervised. The second one, he's like, no, go ahead. Just do it. That's the right way to do it, though. Which, wow. That's the right way to do well, it. Well, when somebody owns the character like Heath Ledger does, you just let them do what they're going to do. Christopher Nolan's very good with working with actors. I think he gives the actors a lot of range, just a lot of freedom. Just do what you got to do. Like You know right. what you're doing here. Go for it. He did it with Guy Pierce a lot in Memento. He did it with yeah. damn near everyone in Inception. Have you seen Dunkirk? I haven't seen Dunkirk. Oh, it was he, very good. Oh, my God. He did it in Dunkirk. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. I think this is actually the first movie. It was a Christopher Nolan movie. I think this is the movie that put Christopher Nolan on the map. Like, obviously, Memento is Memento's big, but so it's... huge. But then 
Batman Begins comes out, and you're not going like, oh, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I got to get there. It's a must see. Right. But I feel like The Dark Knight, you're like, this is a Christopher fucking Nolan movie. We got to go see this. And exactly. obviously, when, Dark uh, when did The Prestige come out? It came out between. Because Prestige uh, is just... It came out between uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Right. And that was a must see. It was so Eventually. Good. Because it was one of those weird, like, trickle-out movies where he did one for Warner Brothers, said, now you got to do one for me. Yeah. And it was one of those fun director trade-offs that you used to get back in the day. Like, Alfred Hitchcock was really known for, of, I'll do one for you, then you got to do one for me. And that's how Psycho became a thing. Yeah. He got his one for him. Cool. But then after even Dark Knight, when you get something like Inception, Inception was huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. And then Interstellar comes out and it's huge and Dunkirk and all those things. But it's like Christopher Nolan makes must-see movies now. He's on yeah. a James Cameron level of this person's behind the camera, this person's vision. Right. You have to right. see this you movie. You have to go see this movie now. I it's what Spielberg it's... used to be. I still haven't seen Interstellar. Yeah. It's a movie. It's got a McConaughey. There's space. All right. All right. Now, you'll ask questions because of Christopher Nolan movies. Well, like definitely. I you mean, do. Naturally. But, but you're 100% correct because I, I can vividly remember after this movie came out, Going to see almost every movie he released. Yeah, Inception. I mean, obviously, it's kind of like an event. Itself, but oh yeah, how many directors even have that kind of pull anymore? Like, okay, Tarantino has that kind of pull. I think, even though yeah. Hateful Eight, not huge. Yeah, it kind of got screwed by what happened with that whole leaked script, and then they kind of lost some of its gusto. And who's reading the script? Who's sitting there reading the script? Nah, well, there was a goddamn Mueller report that came out that was 450 pages out that our president hasn't even read yet. No one's reading the script for the hateful eight. Nah, well, I don't think our president reads much. Speaking of our president, no, no, no. What do you mean, no? Go, what do you, just get it out fast. Say what if you're gonna say fast. The final fight scene between the Joker and, and Batman takes yeah, place on yeah, Trump Tower. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Trump Tower, Chicago, was yeah, under construction, and they were like, let's film there. So uh. you can't say he didn't do. Nothing for the country. <laughs> he gave us a very cool scene. He Fine. gave us a cool fight scene. So He's kind of making up for Home Alone 2 loss in New York, that cameo. I like to think. I like that he didn't insist on a cameo. Isn't that nice? <laughs> you a Batman? Could have done it better. Could have done it better. I would have been the best Batman. Unbelievable. Also would have been the best Joker. <laughs> Both sides. Very good. He's a fucking Joker. You know what? Here's something I shouldn't talk about. Christopher Nolan's choices in this movie. Yeah. I feel like in Batman Begins, it's a lot more about the story and a lot less cinematic, where, yeah, that movie looks amazing, but he's not really playing around with the camera all that much. He's kind of just looking at whatever's happening, whatever's played out, and then we'll throw it together in post. Fine. Here you go. Here's our story. But in here, he's actually making choices as a director, where the one that stands to me is... Anytime Joker's on screen. Yeah. The scene where Joker crashes the party. Oh. The, at the Wayne penthouse. Yeah. The camera, it, it this is this is always magic to me whenever it happens, just from being on so many sets and how you pull this off with how many people you know are there, how you have a room full of extras and you have Joker with the knife up to Rachel Dawes' mouth, the whole scar nonsense again. Sure. And they're going 360 around them I multiple love times. I love that. And you are hiding everything you are literally spiraling with the joker at that point it is yeah it's a it's very on the nose it's so but that good. is okay no, it's fine the one that really got me was as kevin mentioned before it was the the prison scene the interrogation yeah where you have batman pop in there it's just batman and joker in one room together we finally got it yeah 
I don't even think we get that in uh, OG Batman, nineteen eighty nine. I don't think we have that scene of these two characters talking because no. it's not a Batman movie, as we know. Right. But here you have these two characters finally facing off. Did you notice what they did? What did they do? It shot as an over the shoulder on both sides, where you have over the shoulder on Batman, you have over the shoulder on Joker. Sure. They keep changing which shoulder it is. Really? Yeah, they cha- They actually start off looking over Batman's right shoulder, and then it moves to the left a lot of the time, and then it comes back to the right again. Huh. And it's one of those things that you don't realize. I- I'm not going to say you don't realize it on the surface, because, yeah, you're watching the movie, you're so just in it. You're so oh, absolutely. caught up especially in everything that's that happening, point. especially that that is a tense scene. Yeah. But it's one of those things that subliminally is just, it's keeping you kind of out of your comfort zone of how right. you watch movies. Right, because it, you're used to just the one shot. You're used to the, the one shot yeah. of just seeing it here, but when you actually switch it up, it's one of those like... It's disorienting. Who's right? You kind of change up, uh, like it's kind of like a devil on each shoulder type situation of, you look yeah. at it just that little bit much differently of, this is different, but I don't know why. Yeah. It's little filmmaking tricks like that, that I think Christopher Nolan, ugh, chef's kiss, mwah, Oh, it's, it's gorgeous, man. Uh, it is gorgeous. Heath Ledger made choices in that exact same scene where when they showed up to film, he told he told Christian Bale, actually hit me the way you would if I was Joker and you were Batman, which is just- He rocked him? Commitment. To Did the, he rock him? Oh, yeah. Well, rock. when he first hits yeah. his head onto the table, that's that's the, the hit he's talking about. Never start with the head. Makes you all fuzzy. I also love when they uh, the, the, the room's dark and obviously the Batman reveal- but that when the lights go on, it's not like you see the whole. You just see his chest behind him. Right. Yeah. You don't need to see the whole. No. You don't need to see no, the, no. the whole. You know. I also just like how Jim Gordon. We'll get there. We should talk about Jim Gordon. We should eventually. He's doing work in this thing. Yeah. I like how he totally knows what's going on here. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, There's no. He doesn't know that Batman's in the that room. That he's standing in the room there. Yeah. It's so good, but it's one of those things where you see Batman in just a fully lighted. Fully fluorescent lighted room. Right. It's, it's like unnerving. It's again. almost like yeah. daytime Batman. Which can't exist. Right. Unless Cannot it's exist. 1966. Right. I do enjoy how throughout the movie that he's almost always aware and the people that are in the film, the scenes with him are not. And he goes, oh, yeah, he does that sometimes. But he's always almost aware of like when he's showing up or when he's leaving. He seems to be the only one in on it. On the bat? Yeah. It's nice. But I also like whenever Rachel's in a scene and she's in on it, but it's one of those things of like she's so comfortable with it at this point. Yeah. That she doesn't give a damn. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting it's expected, little almost. thing. Yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal sucks, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I mean, I guess either. so. <laughs> I tried to defend her earlier, but. You can't. She's not good in this she movie. She doesn't do anything. No, nothing. Nothing uh, at she all. Ho- she ho hums. No, it's weird because because <laughs> the, the lady detective, uh, what's her name? Detective Ramirez. Anna Ramirez. Right, Ramirez, yeah. She does a hell of a lot more in this movie than Rachel she Dawes does. also barely does anything. But I also think the camera helps her a lot of the time because I actually forgot that she's the turncoat in this thing. Right. And there was a shot in it where you see her put Harvey Dent into the car and the camera just stays on her that little bit too long. Right. That like, it's almost <laughs> uncomfortable. And I even wrote, like, I think she's a baddie. And I had completely forgotten about it. It's one of those, right. like, I was looking for camera tricks in this thing. I've seen sure. it so many times. Sure. I got to look for something else. But she's actually doing something. She's doing something. She's doing something. Do you think the Joker, when he's dressed up as the female nurse, does more than Maggie Gyllenhaal does in this movie? Of course. Oh, that's I mean, one of the most iconic scenes in this whole movie. Joker dressed up as the nurse does more work than any female in this movie. One of the greatest 
film improvisations of all time. Oh, absolutely. When he's walking out of the hospital and he's pushing the detonator and then the explosion stops and Heath Ledger stops and the camera stops, but he just stays within the scene and keeps pushing the button until it blows up again. And then he gets on the bus. Him stopping. Brilliant. It was supposed to explode and nothing exploded. And he stopped and kept going. And it's a wonderful moment. It's a classic. It's one that a lot of people know about too, which is. Yeah. But that's just everyone that's there on the day just being on. Yeah. Every single person being professional. Everyone's just fully immersed in this movie. I guess he was in character most of the time on set anyway. That's what I heard too. Except Um, for the time he was skateboarding and kick flipping over Batman. Have you seen that picture? No. Kicks ass. We'll put it on Facebook. It kicks ass. Okay. Yeah. It's awesome. Now, the rumor is that this is doctored. Okay. That the skateboard was added. It's pretty great, though. That is pretty great. One of the biggest things about this movie, though, that I take away from it is the poster that I had in my dorm room for two years of the Joker completely blurred out saying, why so serious? Oh, yeah. I know the exact poster. Yeah. How do you think this film influenced pop culture and in turn influenced fandom? Because I think this is one of those things that we kind of sit with now, especially with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how big it is. Yeah. How do you think it's the Joker we're talking about, not so much Batman. How do you think the character of the Joker pushed forward the idea of fandom to almost a a point of a a troll, let's call it? (laughs) And I think that's a fair way to put it because, I mean, obviously when Suicide Squad came out, what's the biggest thing to come out of Suicide Squad? It was Harley Quinn. Absolutely. Yeah. Harley Quinn hasn't been this big since 1992, since the animated series came right, out. Right, when they in- invented but her. But she's huge now. Absolutely. Well, and huge in a lot of, of circles. that is Margot huge, Robbie? A lot, but it's huge in a lot of circles. People haven't even seen the movie. That's true. But with Joker here is, Joker here, with Joker here, <laughs> is you have a character that's so massive and just so completely out there that people are diving on board. They're diving yeah. on board the villain train. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people might have gotten the wrong message from this movie. Absolutely. And, and, and the villain was too good. Exactly. And they kind of sympathized. Maybe not sympathized. That might be the wrong word. But they kind of they took his message and then went crazy on the internet with it. Right. So how do you think this film influences that? Influences the internet age of fandom? I think maybe Joker is like King Troll. You think so? Just he wants to say whatever he can and just, I'm going to say this. I'm going to drop a bomb into a conversation. I'm going to get out and I mean, watch it. I'm going to watch it burn. And he's guilt free always. Everything he does, he feels no guilt for. Do you think he does that because of anonymity? Because no one knows who he is? Uh, I think that it might be how the fandom has taken it. Um, but no. No, I think it's just part of his personality as the Joker. He just doesn't, he doesn't feel guilt. Whereas, Batman is always weighed down by guilt. But what that in turn does is he does things just to do them. And then that's that's something. But then he wants to watch the reaction. Right. Right. And that's what I find interesting. The reaction is the entire part of it. Right. Right. The action itself is is nothing to him. It's what comes of it. Right. I, I, I agree with you on that one. But I feel like a lot of people with the Joker is you have a lot of people who are comic book fans. Mostly. Because that's. I mean, the Joker oh, yeah, hadn't yeah. been seen at this point since, since really 1989 in a film. Right. Well, he's also he in the popped animated, up, series, animated series. He popped and up if you're reading the comics, he's Of there, course. He's, I will yeah. say it's one of the things that bugged me last week when you guys were talking about Batman Begins and you, you were yeah. mentioning best Jokers. You didn't say live action Jokers. So if you meant Mark live Hamill? action Jokers, that was fine, but you left out Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Hamill. 
which mm. I mean, when you talk about Joker, oh, yeah. a lot of people might consider him He's the best just because of fantastic. all the work he has done as that character. It's a lot. It's the most. It's definitely the most. Yeah. Everyone else is a, well, almost a one-off. Right. Right. Except for Cesar Romero. He's great. He's so good. He's great. Does that mean that uh, Jared Leto is the one person that was ineffective as the Joker so far? That's a good word to use, actually. Here's what I think. You have this iconic appearance by Heath Ledger that almost sparks troll culture on the internet. And then you have Jared Leto. This whole, the whole incarnation of Jared Leto is almost like the ultimate troll on the fandom. Where you're really just going over the top with it, but you're trying to push it so far, I guess, to the ledge that you, you want to see. Not the Heath uh, Ledge. I don't know. Not the Heath Ledge. But I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I You know, you just see the images like they, when they release them with the tattoos in the face. There was nothing intimidating the about him. And the what did you what did you drive like a metallic silver or whatever now, the car saying, was? Like, here's the thing: is that you're going, you're going a lot of surface things. You're going the way he looks. Yeah. How does he act? I've never seen it, so that's why I'm asking. I have not seen How it does either. He act. He's barely in it. And he was the biggest news to come out of that thing. Right. And he's, and then he's obviously, barely in it. Yeah. They cut a lot of his scenes. He's not great. I don't know. It's. I also heard they like. Didn't let him do what he wanted to do. That's true. I did hear He's that. He's an interesting actor. And that was, yeah. I guess, a lot of the scenes they cut were ones he was more passionate about than the ones that were included. Right, right. Um, so that's really is, just the Ryan Reynolds way of filmmaking of if you, whatever you like, they're going to cut. They're going to cut, right. And I mean, he's been pretty good in most other things he's done. <laughs> oh, so. you mean that Oscar thing that he won yeah. just before he did Suicide Squad? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like what they did with his appearance was enough to not be able to take him seriously. But do you think it's because he had to go up against Heath Ledger? I feel like after a Heath Ledger performance, you have to do something different. That's fair. Do you think that Joker's one of those roles that you can keep just rolling out there in different ways and different kind of reincarnations of it? I mean, there's been so many different Do you think that, the, that Joker is the Batmobile of characters? Because the Batmobile we talked about last week with the Tumblr you know, of- Versatile That there's not a set- Batmobile. Right. There are ones that are more iconic okay. than others. There are ones that, when you think Batmobile, you think 89. I mean, I do anyway. That's actually the one that pops up every single time to me. It's not my favorite one, but that's the one that pops up in my head. I had, the, I had the toy car as a kid. Yeah, that's oh, the, yeah. That's immediately what I think well, of. Kevin was rich. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> I like how anytime we talk about toys, the person who has the toys is rich. Is the, the exactly it. Do you think Dave didn't have Stark them. was cheap? <laughs> He's Tony The briefcase was an add-on. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that always blows my mind about this Joker is every Halloween after. Oh, yeah. Everyone's a fucking Joker. Even now. It's, what, it's still 12 years going. Later, it's still going. It's, just, still. it's this Joker, which is nuts to me. Yeah. But I mean, how many, yeah. how many Batman movies have also been released in that time frame where you had a gap between the, you know, the 89 series up to what was the last one forever so what was the gap between forever and, yeah, and batman begins to then how many batman five yeah then how many batman movies have been released since batman begins well you have three you, you have, have those trilogy it you depends have, on if you count yeah. animated ones that's fair because you have like mask of the phantasm and shit like that um but three including like when he was like batman versus superman yeah batman versus superman suicide squad and justice league uh and that was from 2012 to 2016 it wasn't that long of a wait 
No, no. But my real question is, how did Joker influence pop culture to develop trolls? And look at it in more of a Marvel way. In more of a Marvel way. I think that's the safe way to do it. Because, yeah, you can't really look at it a DC way. DC is an easy, easy target. So we're not going to get this time. right until we, we tell you what you think it is? No, I don't have a thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sincerely, I don't have a thought. Uh, I think that DC is just an easy target, though, because they fucked up so often with their main characters. With Justice League is a miss. Suicide Squad's a miss. Wonder Woman, not even close to a miss. It's no. a direct hit. Yeah. Aquaman is a direct hit. Shazam, Shazam is a direct hit. But I feel like those are some of the things that... Uh, I mean, you had a lot of trolls for Woman, Wonder Woman because of, you know, males. Yeah. But also the- Because uh, of men. Because dudes suck. <laughs> the reception of those movies, though, is going to affect a lot of things. Like, I did not see- I don't think I've seen any. I didn't even see Wonder Woman. I heard it's great. It's fantastic. But it's I, and that's what I've heard. My motivation to see it was so low after the- I didn't even see Suicide Squad. I just heard of how terrible it was, and it really kind of turned me off to DC. The, the most recent DC movie I saw- was Shazam, and, and you're probably the only reason I went. That dragged you. Mm. Yeah. And Physically, it was, it was amazing. dragged you. But I didn't really, I mean, unfortunately, I just, it wasn't like you know, lose faith, but it's just, well, I didn't what, even have the motivation to watch it. What it was would just make like, you all right, well, faith. it's on Netflix. Because this is considered like the last good DC movie. Right. Which is crazy. Right. Because, what because you Dark get... Knight Rises gets shit on. Which maybe undeservedly so. I have no idea. I've only seen it once. It We're going to say. I mean, it's hard to live up to the Dark Knight. Right. So I can see how that becomes. Automatically, you're like, oh, it wasn't as good as the last one. And then the one next after that is, what, Man of Steel? Yep. And you're like- Which, there's actually a lot of people who love that movie. There are a lot of people who like that movie. I actually um, didn't see that one, so I lied. I did see Man <laughs> of Steel. But even that, not as good as Dark Knight Rises. Well, how do you- So you're already on a downside. Well, you're comparing. That's the whole thing. And that's why I think that when you get into like the MCU- Spider-Man Far From Home just came out. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. But are we comparing that to Endgame? Because Endgame's on no, an epic you level. can't compare But the it thing to is Endgame. with Dark Knight is that it's on an epic level. Right. How do you possibly even do compete you, with that next time out of the gate? Do you think that the fact that the whole MCU is all one tight end universe now is like obviously more effective than the fact that they've rebooted Batman so many times so recently? Do you think it's watering it down too much? I think DC finally got it right when they realized we can connect these things, but it has to be so, so loosely. We have to really focus on our characters. It has to be loosely. as DC, that's our strength. And our it has characters. to be organically. Yeah. You can't just slap them all in one movie and say, this is this is it. Here we go, guys. We're doing the, the Marvel thing now. I felt, that's right. I felt like they... Forced Batman vs Superman because it was such a uh, a demanded or asked for. Uh, Where's Martha? Yeah, it was such a requested. Why did you say that name? Um, title for them to do. So I felt like they were kind of forced into doing it. Where I don't Probably. necessarily think that was the best direction for them to kind of take that. I think ben they Affleck thought they were doing series on, but they just weren't prepared. I don't know. I think you need to introduce your characters individually before you team them all up like that. I don't think you're wrong. So maybe my real question is, can DC come back from the Dark Knight because of how high the bar was set? They're yes. starting to now. Yes, I think they can. It has to be its own thing. You can't lean on the Dark Knight anymore. Dark Knight at this point is 11 years removed. Right. That's a long time. Right. You got to you gotta do something new. Do you think the pull a director that could make a movie similar? In... Why do you need to make it similar? Not similar. I mean, just like I'm talking about quality-wise. I'm talking about like tone or... But do you think as, as effective, like, for instance, you know, you know there's a second Wonder Woman coming out. The yeah. first yeah, one was not, great. Not I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But Patty Jenkins. It's, do you think like that there's a potential there that this Wonder Woman movie could be on a similar scale or critical reception that the Dark Knight is? Oh. Do you want my personal answer or do you want my realistic I answer? I want both. Okay. So I want it to be. My realistic I want it to be. Is that that's my realistic answer yeah. is because the bar was set really high with Wonder Woman. It's a really, really good movie. Very, I know a lot of people good. don't like it. And I'm not gonna say those people are wrong. It just wasn't for them. That's fine. Sure. But my personal reaction to it is I saw how good of a filmmaker Patty Jenkins was with Wonder Woman. Yeah. And she is phenomenal as a director. She fought to push Wonder Woman is in 1984, is that what it's called? Yep. She fought to push that movie six months in order to get a summer release. And then after she saw the first cut, she said, we need to pull this thing back. We need to put it in contention because it's that good. I don't know that she was saying she wants to put it in contention. I read it as- So much as she was just excited for people to see it. If you move a movie into Oscar season, November, December, you want to put it in contention. It means you're looking Black Panther type quality. But they're not moving it, so. They're not moving it. But I think it's also, that's that's a money game. That's a Warner Brothers money game. Yeah. Which is fine. You also got to, what else is released in that time area? Like what Star of Wars? December? Is Star Wars. December out? is Star Wars and nothing's right. going to touch that box office wise. Right. But that's Oscar season. You don't fuck with yeah, that. Yeah, but I think that's also going to play into it. They're worried about their box office step because they had a couple bombs there. I don't and, think the King's Speech is too worried about getting a, bo- a big box office that's draw. What if the King's Speech <laughs> is in a superhero movie that has those Have expectations? You seen it? It's it amazing. It gets over his stutter, man. It's so good. How can you not say that's not super? UB3, add it. <laughs> UB3, don't don't do that. <laughs> Beep, boop, doop, doop. We got our Colin Firths. They're called Kingsmen, and hopefully they're in there somewhere. So good. Yeah. Absolutely. They're on the list. This movie's is fucking phenomenal. It's just so good. I don't even know where to talk. Like, there's so much to talk about that it's hard to squeeze into like an hour yeah. to talk and about everything. There was just a lot that even just looking up stuff. High level for this movie. It was hard to narrow it down to a few things. Exactly. And, you know, there's a couple, like, scenes in there that I think will get overlooked just from... Like what? Uh, just small stuff. I, I can vividly remember, so this is a stupid scene that seems it just stood out to me. For um, what it's worth, in Batman Begins, I threw a stupid scene out at Brian, and I, I still stand by it's the most important scene of the entire movie. Uh, the scene when they're... Uh, That's fair. When they're in the mayor, and it was just powerful to me this time watching it, and I, I don't, I didn't necessarily notice it the first couple of times when they're in the mayor's office and the the Batman body drops and like startles you at the window. Yeah, it's a it's, good it's, jump. It's almost good it's, a, it's a a it's a good jump, and B, it's just powerful in its own right. Like it, it almost brings like a gravity to the whole what situation. the Joker's doing. Yeah. Like it just yeah. it really yeah, and it it does it seems kind of like looking back on it the first time or a couple times you watch it, it's not really necessarily something you would remember, but this time actually like watching it and looking for those scenes that you're kind of like, okay. Well, do you know the difference between that Batman and the real Batman? I'm not wearing <laughs> hockey pads. That is the difference. I did type that in my- uh... Bro door, kick saving a beauty. <laughs> my toe, my toe. Hey, uh, Dave. Just going through hockey. Others? hockey stuff. Hey, Dave. Yeah, buddy. I think it's time to uh, leave your drink to chance. Okay, so Kevin's got the coin. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead there, Two-Face. Safe. Ah. Safe. All right, Brian. It's your turn now. Oh, boy. You're safe, Also too. safe. All right, now you're safe. Kev, you feel lucky, bud. If it's three in a row twice. No, nope, nope, not so lucky. <laughs> you're lucky. Not so much the driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not as lucky. Who? <laughs>
<laughs> well, that backfired. Um, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Another throwaway scene that you might not really think about is when Batman is sliding down his penthouse to save Rachel. It's almost an exact callback to uh, Liam Neeson in the first movie when he's sliding down a mountain. Yep. That makes sense. There's so many little things that like, and maybe that's foreshadowing that oh, this bitch won't die. Maybe there's also some, maybe there's also some, some legitimately like beautiful scenes in this movie. Yeah, the one where you're standing on the tower and that's Hong actually Kong? the Hong Kong stuff. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Sears that Tower one, because uh, he's on Sears Tower, which is in Gotham now. Yeah, as we know, the uh, scene at the end of the movie when he's riding on the uh, the tumbler bat cycle, the bat cycle. And he's that riding pod. up that pod. Sorry, he's riding up the tunnel, and the cape's blowing in the wind, and the, yeah, and the sun, yeah. the sun behind it, just like a, a gorgeous shot. Yeah, one, iconic. There's one stuntman who was allowed to drive that thing. He was the only guy who could figure out how to drive it, right? Because that thing apparently is impossible to drive. I guess they said it wasn't as bad when it was on its own, but once you put the camera rig on it, it was almost impossible. There was yeah, the stuntman was the only one who could. Christian Bale did try. Christian Bale actually did the uh, the scenes where he's standing on the building. He ran up uh, to Christopher Nolan right before those were shots. It was originally supposed to be a stuntman, and he ran up to him to like plead his case that he wanted to be the person on the building to do it. Do you know what he sounds like when he pleads his case? What? You are so unprofessional, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Put me in the movie. Do I tell you how to do your job? <laughs> That's one of the most epic. I, I did it in the post credits last week. Uh, do you know what? Epic freak out. I just realized about that. Yeah. It's an American accent. When he does it? Yeah. It's kind of a mixed accent. But it's it's like a Princess Leia Star Wars type accent where sometimes it's British, sometimes it's not. Yeah. He was still kind of in character, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Coleman Reese. He's the Wayne Enterprises employee who, sure. who pretty much Whistleblower. figures out yeah. that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Do you think he's kind of a hint at the Riddler? No. No way. Bear in mind, his name is... Mr. Reese. Mr. Reese. Oh, that's neat. It's not like an Edward Nigma. Right. That's neat. Just something to ponder. I like that. You looked that up, didn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I came that I came across I, like that. I came across that at one point too. <laughs> where I was like, huh. I can't act like I thought of that on my own. I didn't read that. I like it a lot. There is uh somebody we left out so far. Where uh, is Lau? Cillian Murphy is Scarecrow returning. Ah. We did have that short, short, brief moment of Killian Murphy. Yeah, that's it's a thing. He was there. I appreciate the how how Batman starts firing a gun. And he goes, "That's not him. That's not him." <laughs> and I like how when he shows up and like he's firing the tumbler guns off and all that, goes, "That's him. That's yeah. more like yeah. it." Oh, yeah. There it was is. just funny because like rewatching the movie, I totally forgot yeah. that scene with the guys with the the you know hockey pants. It's, right. And then I'm like, oh. Why is Batman using a gun? That's so stupid. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I got me again. Yeah, wait, wait. This isn't Batman versus Superman. Why is he? <laughs> that whole Lau storyline is weird to me. Uh, I like that it actually takes Bruce Wayne and Batman out of Gotham for once. It's neat to see him out of Gotham, but it also, it, it plays into Joker's, what he says to the baddies in there. He says, like, it doesn't matter that Lau's not here. The oh, yeah. bat's going to go find him. Yeah. Oh, Simple okay. as that. And he does. Right. But I like how it creates an actual world, finally. Yeah. Which it's is nice that it's, it's not nice. just this one. Because especially in the Burton movies, it is just one town. It's one statue. One city. We're literally on the back of one statue. <laughs> Brian loves statues. It's his favorite thing. It's true. But the thing that got me about the whole Hong Kong thing is I don't get it. 
No. I don't get it. I understand why they're going to Hong Kong because the money laundering and all that stuff. Yeah. Yada, yada. And they bring Lau back and they deliver him back to Gotham. Right. My real question, I guess, is where's Lau after the Joker breaks him out? He gets burnt on the top of the pile of money. I missed that completely. Oh, yeah. Joker murders Lau on top of the stack of money. I didn't notice that. It was his stack of money that removed. It was his right. half, but his half. holy shit, I never noticed that. Yep. Yeah. That is dark, dude. It is. This Joker's fucked. That's the he, second person he to have get a burned in this movie. that says damaged across his forehead. <laughs> he should have a tattoo on his forehead. It's damaged. Wow. Apparently, the British Board of Film Classification received more complaints about this movie than any other movie in 2008 and the entire 2000s. Really? Half of their complaints in 2008 were about this movie. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of complaints. So it became the, the most complained about movie of the decade. Well, all right. So somehow this movie squeaked out a PG-13, but... Mm, Did it? No blood. Maybe... No a, swears. No no blood, no swears. And uh, just only one like real visual murder with a pencil. Made it disappear as a magician. What about his face? It's all burnt. Ah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, I can get over There's that. blood on the pillow, Brian. There is blood oh, on the pillow. Yeah. There's You're blood right. on the pillow. I think there's blood like four places in the entire movie. Oh, man. Real gross. Yeah. Real gross. Spooky. We haven't talked about the Gary old man yet. Oh, what an old man, Gary. He does stuff in this movie. I feel like he didn't do a lot in Batman Begins, even though he did stuff. Well, he was just a he was just a, a sergeant. Yeah. He's promotion. He did it. He's he a lieutenant now. Now he's a lieutenant. He's doing work. Lieutenant Gordon. He's pretty great. He is just... He's got his own little crack squad of crooked cops that yep. he he's finally come to terms with and been like, hey, they might be crooked, but uh, they're all I got. <laughs> Basically. But they're my crooked cops, right? He's also like scheming. He's oh, coming up he with his own plans. He's yeah. He's making actions on his own. He does more detective work in this movie than Bruce Wayne. Well, he should. He's a cop. Yeah, but. Not a vigilante. He's a Bruce Wayne though. is supposed to be the greatest detective of all time. So. Yeah, but at the same time, Bruce Wayne's not getting paid to detect. He's getting paid to kick ass. He's not getting paid at all. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's spending money. We're seeing how... We, I wonder how R&D. his business is doing. Do we know what his business is doing? We don't know how his business is doing. I know Coleman Reese knows how his know business is doing. where he falls on the <laughs> Forbes fictional 15. Where did he fall? He fell at number eight last week last, on Batman Begins? Yeah, in 2005, he was number eight. Uh, in 2008, he's been downgraded to number nine. Oh, who no. do you get passed by? He, uh, well, is Santa Claus on the list still? Santa Claus got removed from the list right. in 2006 because children were like, "He's not a fictional character." Forbes, you jerks. <laughs> um, 2008 saw some financial issues throughout the year. Okay, uh, so Mr. Monopoly fell to number 15. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. And then we have Laura Croft and Montgomery Burns, who fell a lot. He fell a ton. Artemis Fowl. Who? Artemis Fowl from the series Artemis Fowl. I don't know who that uh, is. Jed Clampett, Adrian Veet, Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Yeah. Uh, and then Bruce Wayne comes in at number nine. Okay, that's not a big drop. So not a big drop, but he's down to $5.8 billion from his previous 6 point. For what it's worth, he had to build that spying machine that uses sonar on all the cell phones. Exactly. So maybe that's where it is. And it's been like three years. He's yeah. barely spent a billion. I had to rebuild a house. He had to rebuild a mansion. Right, right, which... He hasn't done yet. No, because he lives underground now. Yeah, well, you his know, stuff is under a container. He yeah. lives, he lives in under a shipping container. He lives in the penthouse. It's of, very confusing. 
Yeah, he's on the top floor and the bottom floor. <laughs> uh, the rest of the, yeah. the top 15 are Thurston Howell III. Tony Stark comes in at number seven. Oh, there he is. Uh, We're here Ebenezer now. Ebenezer Scrooge at number six. Jabba the Hutt at five. Gordon Gecko comes Jabba in at number Hutt. four. They just forget Gordon Gecko in the last one? Is that the problem? I don't know. Okay. I think he fell off the list because he was in prison, but now he's out. He's so. back. All right. Uh, Richie Rich, number three. Scrooge McDuck, number two. And Uncle Sam at number one. Okay. Uh, we actually, I found out that they have reasoning behind this. I hope so. They're not just throwing out names. Yeah. Uh, to qualify for the fictional 15, we require the candidates be an authored fictional creation, a rule which excludes mythological and folkloric characters. They must star in a specific narrative work or series of works, and they must be known both within the fiction universe and by their audience for being rich. Their net worth estimates are based on the analysis of the fictional character's source material and valued against real world commodities. So, like, basically, they're like, oh, so Tony Stark is a weapons manufacturer. How is that industry doing in real life? And that's how they gauge their that's net worth. So we should make our own comic book series, and this is how we're going to get famous. We're going to get in the Forbes Well, they stopped list. doing it in 2013. Shit. So Shut There goes down. my plan. Shut it down. Yeah. But they did introduce another list in the same year of the most expensive fictional houses where Wayne sure. Manor came in at number six. Even so. though it's not built yet. Right. Oh, it's just six. It got burned down. It's nothing. Well, it's 2000. The stones were very valuable. It hasn't been built yet. It hasn't been rebuilt. But. Interesting. As a fictional house, it's number six. Well, all right. We could talk about this movie for a, a year. Easily. Easily. I Let's think go. you can talk about Heath Ledger's performance for about a year. We're still talking about it today. And yeah. we are 11 years on. We're going to be talking about it forever. It's one of the best cinematic performances ever. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Let's do some super stuff. Super stuff. Setting. I'm giving it a one. Yeah. It's a different Gotham, and I love this Gotham. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. There's no hiding in Chicago. If you ask any person from Chicago, they'll say, that's, that's Chicago. Right. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I think you make it a real city. I think it makes it feel I like, more, yeah, the threat's still, more real. I think it's still it's a real city. Well, then, then they, like you said, though, they developed a, a world as well by going to Hong Kong. So That's true. I think that was a, a big step for them. They made the world bigger. Big world. One for setting. Uh, style and tone. One. Yeah. E- easily one. Easily. Joker. Joker. Is all sorts of there. He is the He's the tone. Tone of this entire movie. Absolutely. Chaos. Chaos. Escalation. I mean, right from the start too. It's not like yeah. I, it's right. not like they wait wait for uh, to introduce him. It's literally smack you in the face. Joker immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Hero. That's tough. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. And I'm going to go one. Okay. Hear me out. I'm I'm listening. Where yeah, he saves a day. Fine. He takes the hit at the end of this movie where he realizes that they need to have that white knight figure who is right the one who's in the forefront. That's the dent. And it's not him. And it's not him. It's and not he, the bat. It's not the idea on... of the Batman. Because the idea of the Batman is more important than the actual Batman in this movie. Right. Where what does the bat symbolize? It symbolizes kind of a hope in the shadows, if you will. Whereas Harvey Dent symbolized a hope that you could put in front of everyone else. Right. But then he also did the sonar thing where he spied on every phone in Gotham, and that's real shitty. That is really shitty. And but he another, also destroyed it. Another thing, that's yeah. an escalation again. That's yeah. That's what he was driven to have he to do. He had to do it. And Lucius Fox even said, hey, if you're doing this shit, as I'm the, out. Yeah, as long as this Type in your name machine is here, I'm not. I think it's fair for a one. I think it is, too, because uh, he destroys that machine at the end, which I really, really like. Cause I like right. I like Morgan Freeman's acting in that. Type where he just in goes, your name. He just gives that little smirk. Lucius Fox. And then it blew up. One for Hero. I'm I'm okay with it. 
I agree. I think you have to. Villain. Two. Two. Uh, I, I can't even fight it. Don't even need to can't talk about it. it. It's two. not even just the Joker. It's also Two-Face because Two-Face is doing his own bit of revenge chaos on right. the side. Right, right. Uh, two. This is the best villain we've ever seen. It's probably the best villain you're ever going to get on screen in the Joker. Female characters. Oh, boy. Dave loves Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Oh, he is a big fan of the Mags Jills. Yep, my favorite. And let's not forget Monique Kernan, who is the actress who played Detective Ramirez. Zero. It's a zero. Te- it's a zero. We technically, did it. Heath Ledger played a female for a little bit there. Nah, I just played a male in a dress. I'll go zero. I don't think it's wrong. Zero, I think it's fair. Story and motivation. One. Yeah. I think the story is terrific the on this one. story is phenomenal. It's a detective story. It's an old pulp film where you have to figure out how you're going to stop the bad. It's the only movie that Christopher Nolan's ever done that was linear. There's no jumps. Oh, that's interesting. I never even caught on to that. That's interesting. Christopher Nolan's really known for really just fucking with time. Especially when you think of Memento and Oh, that's the ultimate and time. Even though that's kind of linear, it's just backwards linear. Yeah, that's true. It's not like a, I don't know, NCIS where you start with the end of the scene, the commercial, and then you work your way back there again. Right. Right. But oh. oh, that's interesting. Okay. Classic NCIS. One for story and motivation. Here's something we haven't talked about yet. Music. I'm giving it a one. Yes. And it's strictly for Zimmer. Zimmer crushes it. With one note. Yeah, the Joker theme is is erratic and bizarre. It's one note and played he... in the background, and it's like an escalating note oh. almost. Or just at the And he's so unnerving. And he's Oh my god. And he's playing it with like glass and like he's yeah. doing all sorts of weird stuff and it just it works so well. And um it makes Heath Ledger's performance pop even more because you're not getting distracted by anything else going on in the background. Right. Right. Man. Um and even James Newton Howard did a pretty good job with the Harvey Dent theme. I agree. Which which got more and more dramatic as he got closer yeah. to yeah, Two yeah, Face, yeah. which was a brilliant choice. You know about that with the two composers? How they split the... Yeah, that was in uh, Begins, right? They did, that? They, they did the Begins. Couldn't settle on one. Didn't have to. They they wanted to collaborate. Yeah, it was a... I think there was a, a there's a there's a, a pleasant simplicity with certain uh, aspects of the music as well, like in the scenes where they're diving in from the towers. It's just like, it's there. It's not yeah. something that necessarily is... It's not overwhelming. Yeah, it's not a punch in it's the face. It's not the focus of the scene. Yeah, it's I got think, a nice subtlety to it. I it's effective, you, but not overbearing. When you get something like the Avengers theme, that's something that you want to pump, like dun, chest dun, pumping. Dun, dun. You mean it's like a ringtone? Yeah. It, exactly. <laughs> but with the Dark Knight theme, that is kind of overarching so far in the first two movies. I yeah. assume it's in the third. I've only seen it once. I would imagine. It's very subtle, the way it that it subtle. goes through there. Where it's, it's nice, but yeah. it's, it's there, which is great. There are points in this movie where I think it might be a little bit too loud, but- it's not bad. What are you going to do? Right. I'm so curious about the third one. We'll talk about it. We will in a week. Yeah. That's a one for music. Impact on the genre. We've never done this before. I personally cannot make a a, a judgment on this one. So is it a- Because I don't a, know where I stand on it. You don't know where you stand on the impact on the genre? It's a one or a plus. One that's, plus. That's why I said we've and never done this before. Yeah. We've never given more than one over one yeah, in one episode. Yeah, and that's bananas <laughs> to me because- this thing hits so hard. Heath Ledger winning an Oscar first performance in a comic yeah. book movie. That's also, huge. Not not only that, but 
uh, because it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, the very next year they expanded it from five nominees to ten. That was a big Oh, a big wow. Thing. Which is – It was the next year, right? You want to talk okay. about it. Okay. That's huge. What are you thinking? At least a one and a half. I think that's very fair. I, I Like, my heart wants to say two. My Mine head says two. one, five. I think two. But, I, but it's a, but, it's a but quiet – thing about it. It's a silent two, but it's a one, five. A silent two. Yeah. A silent two. But it's one, five. For reals. Yeah, but it is a, a 1.5. We want it to be two, but it's not. Parents. It's a zero. We don't talk about them at all. In this no, movie. we don't. We don't even touch on them. It's unfortunate. Damn it, movie. Oh, you're so close. And then we have one-liners. They're okay. They're fine. We Where's Lau? I'm nowhere in hockey I'm pads. I'm nowhere in hockey pads. Every week with them. The problem the is that this is a monologue-heavy movie. It is. Oh, everybody gets caught monologuing at least once. I'll go, I'm going to go 0. 0.25. 0. 0.25? Yeah. Do I have to remind you? Yeah. You we say where's Lau in die hero? every episode. They're all, all right, for us, die hero or you all right, live for us, I'll go point five. Enough. I'll give us a little bit of a bump because yeah, we quote that often. But very often. It's not a very quotable movie. That's uh fair. how many spoofs came off of a ton. And why so serious oh, yeah, is Why So Serious huge. is like a giant yeah. line. I forgot about that. All right, point seven five. Point seven five. Put a and, smile yeah. on that face. Oh, you want to know how I got these scars? I'm okay sticking with 0.75 because I don't know if I can go to one. Yeah. I don't there think that this is should I, Arnold Schwarzenegger should I levels the of the one Batmobile. Yeah. No, now, Alfred, that's nothing. Needs to be more subtle. Oh, sure, then. The Lamborghini. The Lamborghini. That's a, that's a fine line. It's not much more subtle. Not running around yelling it. No, you're right. I'll go 0. 0.75. 0. You, you convinced me to go five. up for sure. I think Why So Serious alone is Why worthy so serious. of that. That's a huge, huge line. Absolutely. The Dark Knight is going to come in with our second highest score of all time. Oh? With a 9.25. Oh, wow. That's a big boy score. That is. Okay. <laughs> that is a big boy score. For sure. Damn it, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Damn it, Avengers. You that you're not going to give anything a chance. I was thinking this was going to be the one that had a chance. It, oh, I absolutely had a chance, but. We're realistic here. That's the problem. That We're realistic. Yeah. No. We even we even went above one on two categories, so we we gave it its fair shot. You couldn't make up for Maggie, you know. It's right? awfully close to well, if you change the numbers around and get rid of a decimal point, it's awfully close to a percentage point on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes one to one hundred. Kev, go first. Ninety two. Bry ninety five. We're gonna do something a little different here, just because Brian's so good at guessing. When it comes down I mean, to, you did say the thing about taking out the decimal point and moving numbers around, so I figured it had to be somewhere in there, something like that. You're right, but now I'm going to ask you where you think this falls on the list of top 72 superheroes. Yeah, it's 72. Oh, because they added Far From Home. How already? about that? Oh, they're so on their game. I appreciate that. Far From Home, number 12. Oh, good. The Dark Knight, though. Where do you think it falls? Number four. No. Three. Ten. Okay. Ninety-four percent. Okay, that's a that's a huge score. Yeah. Either way, that's massive. It's surrounded by uh, that. It's in a sandwich of Captain America: Civil War and Spider-Man: Homecoming. Civil which War's is too high. I agree with that one. <laughs> Spider-Man: Homecoming, I think, is dead on though. Yeah, that movie is so belongs. so much fun. I love that movie so much. Audience score out of one point eight million reviews is also ninety-four. Oh, so they line up. How about that? Dead on. How about that? Amy Nicholson's review says, I'm betraying my childhood to concede this, but Nolan has finally topped Tim Burton's two twisted spectaculars. Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that wasn't 
wasn't a hard thing to do. No, no. Totally no. did it. Absolutely. Uh, I found a negative in Top Critics, which is rare to do on a 94% movie. Oh, go on. It's the Wall Street Journal. The? The Wall Street Journal says, Christopher Nolan's latest exploration of the Batman mythology steeps its muddled plot in so much murk that the Joker's maniacal nihilism comes to seem like a recurrent grace note. Huh. Now, did that review come out before the movie? July 18th. So it looks like... The day of. The day of. I'm going to say that is the birth of the internet troll right there. I think that's possible. And I also think that's, I kind of respect that because one of the things I usually, I'm not going to say hold against myself, but hold against a lot of other people is <laughs> I've only seen The Dark Knight Rises once. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. It was yeah, opening night in theaters. I actually saw Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And the Dark Knight Rises as a trilogy in theater. Oh wow! That day, it kicked ass. That's a lot. It was a lot. Sitting. You're right. I feel like the perfect way to do it is uh, spread them out by a week. Yeah, that would been great too. That would probably be better. I also love the Last Jedi. A lot of people do not love the Last Jedi. I've I seen it. I think it's great. I've seen it once. I absolutely loved it. And then the internet trolls struck, and they said this movie sucks all the dicks. And I haven't watched it since because I'm actually scared to. I'm curious what Batman fans commented on that wall street journal article can't see it and that's probably good for joe morgenstern yeah still i think that well that's the whole thing is that no one could have their own opinion anymore right is joe morgenstern wrong i mean yes but but i mean that's his that's his own deal right that's that's okay that's fine you're allowed to speak badly about a movie do you i've told as long as it's not for brian who's seen endgame how many times now in theaters uh Joel, only twice. Oh, no, it's three times. It's three times. Three you times. saw the re-release. Yep, I did see the re-release. And you know I have major issues with that movie as much as I loved it, but yep. major issues. Uh-huh. But you can have your own opinion. It's okay, Joe. It is okay to have your own opinion. I know somebody who incorrectly thinks Green Lantern is a good movie. Who the hell would think that? I don't know. Probably some asshole who this also This is audio medium, but my hand is, is in good. the air. It's a good movie. Probably also has a problem with Iron Man. So. I do have a big problem. Did you like Daredevil as well? Yeah, I did. But <laughs> yeah, but so did I. <laughs> to be fair, so did oh I. Because Daredevil, not that bad. A really, lot of it really very cool a, things in that movie. We also saw the director's cut, which was apparently totally different. Which or at uh, least different which enough. Ben Affleck's superhero attempt was better? Daredevil. You haven't even not having seen, seen Justice League or any of that nonsense. <laughs> I actually do think his Batman's better than his Daredevil. No, you don't. You I think do. His Bruce Wayne's better. Uh, yeah, but oh, you're, the right. Bat, the bat. you're right. His Bruce Wayne is better than than his Daredevil. His Batman is better than his Matt Murdock. Fair enough. Time Out says, The Dark Knight is a film that's fantastic on the action front, seeds its acrobatics in its own reality, and always feels relevant, even when its ideas are drowned out by clatter. What clatter? I don't know. Tell me where there's clatter. It's a Santa Claus movie. Arose such a clatter. Arose <laughs> such a clatter ladder company. <laughs> Tim Allen uh? in the Santa Claus <laughs> Oh, uh, good for you. <laughs> that was uh, a deep cut. That's two weeks Two weeks in a row Zoom. I think you've made that. You're zooming. <laughs> I think that's two weeks in a row you've made that sound effect, Brian. It's going to keep coming. It has to keep coming. I mean, how else are we going to get people to listen to the Zoom episode? Things that are going to keep coming also, Roger Ebert. Oh, boy. He might be six feet under, but oh, boy. He's still firing all cylinders in our world. He gave this thing four out of four. Of course he did, because why wouldn't you? We got back-to-back four out of fours out of Roger Ebert. He's a big fan of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight duo right now. I mean, he's seen movies. It's true. 
Batman isn't a comic book anymore. Christopher oh. Nolan's The Dark Knight is a haunted film that leaps beyond its origins and becomes an engrossing tragedy. It creates characters we come to care about. That's because of the performances, because of the direction, because of the writing, because of the superlative technical quality of the entire production. The film, and to a lesser degree, Iron Man, redefined the possibilities of the comic book movie. Wow. He just dragged Iron Man. He did, but he also... But he also... He kind of gave it a little bit of a... Yes, he did. He was like, you know what? Iron Man can come along for the ride on this one. And that's okay. That is... I mean, he's not wrong, because mm-hmm. it did totally... Not wrong at all. Blew the whole That's genre a man who understands water. different universes. He recognizes trends and knows where things are going. He's been around. You think? At this point? He won't be around much longer. He's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's definitely been around at this point. Ebert Sandwich, last paragraph, says, In his two Batman movies, Nolan has freed the character to be a canvas for a broader scope of human emotion. For Bruce Wayne is a deeply troubled man, let there be no doubt, and if ever in exile from his heroic role... It would not surprise me what he finds himself capable of doing. I.e., this is me. See Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> right, right. The Ebes loved it. Good for the Ebes. I like when when I'm in agreement with Reg McGeebs. You keep trying to force that. It still is not working. Not hidden. Rogues McGeebs. What? I don't know. I've got to find that that rhyme in there somewhere. Um, while you were going through that, I was just curious if there were any cats in this movie. So I went to Cinema Cats, and I have bad news. No cat? The website's down. Did I break it? I don't know. If don't you... tell me I broke the website. Because I sent a tweet to Cinema Cats you saying, did. hey, why you got no no cats in Batman the movie, 966? And they wrote back saying, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is no CinemaCats.com right now. That can't be right. Uh, no, it is. I actually, I went to their Twitter to see what was going on, and they said, just a heads up, that the photos in the old set will be missing, and eventually the site will disappear, but we will rise again like a phoenix from the ashes very soon. Does this mean we could buy cinemacats.com? Thanks for your patience. No, this... they, they probably still have the URL. They're just moving their hosting, I think. Okay. I hope they um, add Batman 66. There's a lot of cats in that movie. I, I think, hopefully, that's one of the first things that goes up on the new site, Cinemacats. They wrote me back, so they were going to do it. Well, let's, let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. Now that me and them are Twitter friends. Oh, yeah. You get the follow back? I did. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> this guy pays attention to our website. <laughs> Let me give that a follow. I didn't know that existed. Cinemacats is a weirdly fun website. It is a compendium of cats and Boondock food. Saints on there for... Uh... I would tell you, but their site's down. <laughs> now that we know that Rod Dreber gave this thing four out of four stars. Let me tell you some people we who gave this. We assume out of four. We don't know. Let me tell you some people who gave this what one star Well, on the Amazon.com. I, You know, there's nothing more I love than hearing people who are wrong on Amazon.com. Nothing more I love. 3,723 reviews on Amazon. It's, uh, 71% of them are five, are five star. It's a good That percentage. seems strangely low. Actually, it does seem reason. low. 71, because what was it last week? It was like 90? It was a lot. It was it was a whole bunch. 80 or 90 something? I don't know. From July 22nd, 2018. That's a year ago. Yep. That's recent. Most reviews give this movie a five-star rating. They sure do. I can't fault anyone for doing so. As for the movie itself, I will only say that it's very uncharacteristic Batman movie. Very dark with a truly sicko. 
That's with a capital O, Joker. I don't know what he's. I don't know what point. Well, you know how usually the Joker's just like a fun-loving guy. Of course he is. Not a wild card at all. The reason I gave it one star. This is a rarity. They're explaining why they gave it one star. The reason I gave it the one star is for the way the studio released the movie for Blu-ray. Chris Nolan, he knows him personally, he's Chris. Chris Nolan has a penchant for filming in mixed format. Don't disagree. That's true. Such as HD and IMAX. He loves IMAX. And again, I have no issue with IMAX. This fella knows what IMAX is. But when you release a move, when you release a move, I read it right. All right. (laughs) For a commercial Blu-ray, it will be played on a myriad of devices and so should work well with them. No doubt most reviews from viewing Blu-ray on a flat panel TV. Changes in format on a flat pane are perceptively instantaneous, and you may or may not notice the differences from what what was. I'm so This lost. fucker doesn't know what he's talking about. I can't keep reading this because these are the ramblings of a madman. He just doesn't like that it was filmed in different formats. But he's assuming that because it was filmed in different formats doesn't work on his TV. He also didn't like his English class. Nope, he failed it. Failed it miserably. That's interesting because I do know that they kept some of the wider shots in the in the Blu-ray release, um, and they letterboxed them because they wanted the full the full pan, the full scenery. But I never really noticed it. Like it never took me out of it. it didn't take me out of it at all. It I, just seemed like it was a lot of stuff that was part of the movie. I'm not going to say that the IMAX stuff looked better because I think it fits in pretty seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the IMAX stuff is you have a bigger bit of film. Right. That you're going right. to burn through because you're capturing that much more on They it. had special cameras, which, you know, there were only four of in the world, and they broke one of. How'd they break it? I don't know. It was during the Joker hit, car chase scene. with the car chase, yeah, the car. And, uh, yeah, they broke one of, they broke a quarter of the IMAX cameras in existence. They're expensive as shit, apparently. Uh, especially in 2008, they were. From March 17th, 2010. This isn't a movie review, and that's why the grade. That's not, not that's nothing. What? This is a customer service I complaint. I love this movie, beginning. I'm assuming beginning. Beginning to end. To end. But the special features are awfully boring and simplistic. That doesn't worth your or my money. One star. Whoa, these folks. I can love we this movie. Can we give these reviews one star? There is absolutely nothing cool about them. No interviews. No. Fe- there are no interviews. No futurettes. No deleted scenes, <laughs> no comic book comparisons, no, no special comparisons. effect documentary, no makeup documentary, no nothing. Wow. This movie's awesome. Wow. Boo, the product, that meant but, but the product doesn't worth the effort. I lost my money in this, so it's just for you to save it and get the ultimate cut or the new edition of the Blu-ray version to get some good extras. So one star review because there weren't any comparisons and they did <laughs> no futurettes. No futurettes. God, there wasn't even a gig reel. <laughs> oh man, I wanted to see all those laugh reels and stuff like that. All yeah. the goof em ups. All the real gags. Or all all the accurate. <laughs> <laughs> or what Dave was doing as he was trying to read that review. It's impossible. I commend you for mispronouncing all those words correctly. It's not a... I, I'm doing everyone a service here. It's not easy. <laughs> not all uh, heroes wear capes, Dave. We yeah, do. We he, do here. If he lives long <laughs> enough, he'll see himself become the villain. I'm already the villain. From January 26, 2009. Knowing about the 2.5-hour length, 
I could not justify watching more than half hour of this talkative, violent, and meandering routine. Ugh. It is all three of those things. Ugh. For two and a half hours. Were there three? Sure. Talkative, uh, meandering, and there was another one, I think. It's rare that I give you the customer service stuff. Yeah. But, uh. I mean, it's usually one an episode. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Let me give you this one. This one's a fun one. Okay. January 8th, 2015. The review title is One Star. The review, good. <laughs> I don't think that's customer service. Good. That's just confusing. Good. Good. I don't know what's confusing about that, Brian. Uh, good. 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 Hey, Dave, can you just sit right there? Good. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> Good. You know what else is good? What? No. Drinking. No. No. Okay. Yep. All right. (sighs) We're going to start with you, Dave. We got the coin? We got the coin. God damn. Got to make me own luck. Head son of a bitch. All right. (laughs) Kevin, you're up next. It's a smooth tails. Yeah. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. Last time this didn't pan out for me when I... uh... That's a head, big boy. I guess I'll finish my drink. Fire it down. (laughs) All right, Kev made his own luck. Good for you. From November 1st, 2016, review title, one star. Visually impressive with a plot that makes zero sense. Mm. Heath Ledger and Gary Oldman carry an otherwise lackluster movie. No. Yep, that's that's the right answer for that one. I mean, first of all, half yes, because Gary Oldman and Heath Ledger do carry a movie, but it's not lackluster. No, I completely agree. Unless they were specifically talking about Rachel Dawes. Uh, you don't think Maggie Gyllenhaal did any lifting here? None. Zero. None. Never hit the gym? Never, never, never bothered. Never bothered. They should have recast her with one of the Olsen twins. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Oh, that's how you Because it couldn't be a, any worse. No, that's how you end up with a dead Heath Ledger. That's the problem with that. Uh, yeah. Last one from September 26, 2017. Title. Overrated billion dollar Oscar certified hype. Um, so in your title, you're gonna give two arguments against your own review. Okay, continue. Buckle up. Here we go. All right. After the fourth time reevaluating this movie, because I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why this is so beloved, I can finally give up and never watch it again. Oh, good for you after four, four times. times. <laughs> Strangely, this is not the only Nolan movie I had to go back and check whether I just wasn't getting it. His follow-up, Inception, is very similar. For say- me, Christopher Nolan has become the most overrated filmmaker working today, and this is where it all began. That would be Batman Begins. Nolan Begins. Mem- Memento Begins. Following is where Nolan Begins, Following- but still. Memento, Insomnia, and Batman Begins are all great films and so promising. Promising makes it sound like they sucked. Like they had a good premise, but they just didn't get there. Here's where everything fell apart. Everything is off here. Oh. That's where it is. That's That's where he did it. That's where everything fell apart. Everybody knows that The Dark Knight is where Christopher Nolan just fucking lost it. The writing is flat and dead. When characters aren't rushing through mouthfuls of needless exposition... They are regurgitating route one-liners. They're not. It's .75. <laughs> Christian Bale is about as good as Kilmer. He didn't grow into a role as Batman at all, and he is trying so hard, and it makes it worse. <sighs> what worked as 
was a Maggie new finding his way Batman in Batman Begins. That's not a thing. You made that up. Does not work as is in his prime Batman. As for me, he reveals himself ultimate not a good cat. Nope. That's where the English dropped off, and that's where I stopped paying we attention. We lost it. Buddy. It was it was actually decently written for the first. Stuff. Yeah, no, you, you did all right. You made some decent arguments there, and then he just uh, got so angry about the movie. He didn't work. Write English anymore. I'm gonna pick a random point and read from this review because okay. sure, this guy's at his fucking gourd all over the place. He says randomly, and that is why he has Hans Zimmer's score endlessly churning and thumping with a heartbeat to keep the bloated mess, which would otherwise be intolerable, feel like there is a movement towards a conclusion. So he's saying that Hans Zimmer is to blame? Oh, I think he's saying that Hans, Hans Zimmer, Zimmer is, is good. It's the Zimmer's only part of this movie that makes it move His forward. one note? Yeah, he's claiming that the music of this movie is the only reason it's good. This reviewer sandwich. I would argue I'm gonna give you, that the music is yeah. not as good as 89. I completely agree. It's the elf. The elf man. <laughs> you can't fuck with the elf man. This guy ends it by saying, it's just as forced and artificial as Joel Schumacher's Batman films. Wow. But here, the goal is dramatic realism, and it's just as hollow. That's how you write a stupid review. (laughs) So besides those, I mean, this movie's generally received as pretty good, right? Uh, A lot of people would say. Everyone would agree, except for the one stars. What do you think would happen if not the people who were in the movie were in the movie? Like a recast. Like... Not so much a recast as an almost cast. What do you got? Rachel Dawes, since they were recasting her. Two Why these... did they recast her? I don't know. I feel like Katie Holmes. She was like... doing something else. She... Oh, yeah. She was like. Ah, it's good. It's good. She decided something else was more important. I forget what it was. It was Tom Thomas Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been spending too much time. I decided uh, Scientology <laughs> was more important. <laughs> Uh, two of these names are actually names that were mentioned when they were first casting her. Sure. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams I get, Sarah Michelle Gellar I'll never get. I don't understand. Yeah, like you can't replace that. They don't look the same. I don't care about looks. I care about style of acting. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Isla Fisher and Emily Blunt. Isla Fisher I think is too bubbly. Emily Blunt I think would have been dead on. I think would have nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Dent, new role for this movie, was almost portrayed by Mark Ruffalo. Don't like it. Nope. Uh, Leave Schreiber? No. Ryan Felipe? I heard that one. I don't like it at all. <laughs> it's pretty no, I like that one a whole lot less. Hugh Jackman? No. And the actual who, the one guy who was in the running for the role before- Gyllenhaal? Before Aaron Eckhart. Matt Damon? Oh, well. I could see it, but I don't like it. Yeah, no. I they were Aaron Eckhart, sorry. They weren't going to have Jake and Maggie make out. That'd be, I mean, you never know. <laughs> be creepy. Um, Just you're be Star actors, Wars. damn it. Do it. Sal Maroney, portrayed by Eric Roberts, yeah, uh, was almost cast. Bob Hoskins. Oh, boy. Weird, right? Really? Weird. He's English. It makes sense. Or James Gandolfini. Two on the nose. It's very on the nose. Yeah. But I don't hate it. Nah, I do. I, think I actually think Eric Roberts did a terrific very good job. He doesn't do a lot in this, and the role There's doesn't call a for a lot in this, well, but I think he's great. Mostly because the role, the entire role is a mystery. He's got an interesting face. I think that's what makes it work. Yes. It's like a plastic face. It works really well for this role where he stands out enough that yeah. it's, like, it's like, oh, that's oh, that, that guy. guy. That guy. Yeah. And then, of course, the Joker. There's others. There were others. I mean, Heath Ledger was always Christopher Nolan's choice, but there were four or five others in the running. But here are the names that I found interesting. Hugo Weaving. 
as the Joker. Man, okay. Sam Rockwell as the Joker. That's more interesting than anything. Willem Dafoe. <sighs> You're hitting a specific territory here. Very specific. These are all character actors. They are all, oh, very much so. And then the last one was Don Johnson. That one doesn't fit the other three. No, I, I agree. But he almost has the same look, just older. Okay. I feel like that's probably what they were going with there. Well, we'll never know, because Heath Ledger never got older. <laughs> because traditionally, the Joker is is older than Batman. He's usually portrayed in like his 40s. Is he? Because I think he's kind of portrayed all over the place. That's and true. And half time, he's portrayed in a cartoon. But, I but mean, even in the cartoon, he's he one of those characters. Older than... uh, maybe, but he seems like one of those characters who, why put a timeline on him? There's no reason to. There's no reason to. He's he's wide open. I feel like it's, it's kind of the whole the whole bat verse here is that you don't need to put a timeline on anything. That's true. Just let it live within its own self. Just and that's why you be. have so many different origin stories. It's it's a comic book. Right. There's right. an origin story every other book. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many no. times you've done it. You can do it again. Do it again. Tell the story. Book. Have a good time. Change it up. Do do whatever you're gonna do. That's exactly it. What are we talking about next week? Is the Dark Knight Rises? It's the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're going to be talking about. <laughs> we're, we're going to finish the Dark Knight trilogy. You merely adopted that month. I was born into it, raised by it. <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. I'm very excited. I'm pretty excited. It's been a while since I've seen it's it. It's been. Uh... A very long time since I've seen it. You've only Theater seen it wise. once. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it twice. Okay. So this will be number three. Pretty pumped. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty fired up. pumped. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on. And you can send any comments or questions or statements of bat fact to us at capepodcasters at gmail.com. And you can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at capedpodcasters. Don't forget to keep listening after you hear the... Song at the end there. Right. Because the post credits. Post credits. They're there. You know every how, like, episode. You know how like Marvel movies are like, guys, don't go anywhere. There's more. How refreshing was it that there's not post credits in this? Uh it was actually very refreshing because as soon as the credits started, I could turn it off. It's nice, right? We don't have to I sit know around you and wait. sometimes sit around and, and look at the credits to catch some stuff. Uh if there's a New York involved, as I will an, to see an if any of my boy, buddies ever did it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh that screen, Heart goes, out. screen Heart goes black, out. and I go bye bye. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, bud. It's just Kevin. Sorry that you got burned drinking a couple times there. Yeah, that that happened. Speaking of, oh really? One <laughs> one for the road. One for the road here. Hey, Kev, make your own luck. You lucked out for once. For once, I got Brian? the last one too. Not so much, bud. Brian, not so much. Not so much? No. Oh, he's pouring it now. Yeah, as, as you're I speaking. So. Yeah. Oh, heavy pour. Weird that he would do that as Fire I away. lost. And yeah. me? Ah, uh, you escaped. Oh, you got lucky. I make my own luck. Oh. So, so this was just Brian drink? Neat. We'll see you next week for The Dark Knight Rises. Same bat pod time. Same, same bat, bat pod, pod channel.
So, Brian. So, Dave. That's the Dark Knight. It sure is. What do you think happens post-credits? I think we see the Joker as he's getting carried away by Gotham's finest. He's always got a plan, that Joker. He escapes with hardly any effort expended because that's what he does. He's got a plan. He goes to a, to a safe house, and there's somebody waiting for him there. It's Mary-Kate Olsen. And she says, <laughs> hiya, puddin'. And he goes, well, nothing could go wrong here. You know that life you're living? You can cut it out. <laughs> Kev, what do you think happens? So we get a shot of Bruce Wayne back with Lucius Fox in uh, research and development. Mm-hmm. Bruce turns to him and says, you know, there's one thing that's really lacking this suit. I want the nipples back. <laughs> Bruce turns to him and he goes, you know you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> Lucia says, I have nipples. Could you milk me, Bruce? What a great scene. Wow. Classic cut scene from this movie. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is you got that whole dramatic scene at the end where Joker's hanging upside down and he's kind of saying, hey, world's fucked, yo. And Batman's going, why you got to do that, Joker? Why are you hanging upside down? You're all captured and stuff. But Joker's doing his whole monologue thing. You know, I got these scars. Uh, you know, my father was a fiend and uh, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you start seeing him turn to dust. Uh. And then you start seeing half the cops on the floor turn to dust. We got a mixed universe. Because oh. why not? Because why Because why not? not? You think Batman gets snapped? No. Oh, that's boring. But well, it depends. Probably right. Depends. <laughs> How much prep time does he have? <laughs> Only half of Harvey Dent gets snapped. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, actually. 